Good morning, Jonathan Washburn. How are you? Doing good. Can't complain. It's a beautiful day. It's Friday. So, uh, you know, I always love Friday right before the weekend and get ready to uh, chill out for a couple days. <laughs> Interesting. I did not know it was because of him, but uh, that's that's funny. <laughs> oh, that's so funny. There was so much to unpack in that intro that uh, I don't even know where to start. Um, so, hey, today's... Uh, it's so funny. I love it. So today's topic we were going to discuss is, you know, Jesus and and uh, how how is he different than... Um, how is he different than some other uh, beings uh, like, like Buddha or uh, Muhammad? Uh, how is he real, or how do we know that he's real? How can we prove that he's real um, to the best of our ability? And uh, kind of talk about that today. Yeah, no, it's, it's funny that, that, that you uh, mentioned Buddha right off the bat. I, I have a massive great Christian apologetics. Um, and for one of my, uh, one of my classes, and we know several of my classes, we study other world religions. I remember reading this um, apologetics book for Buddhists. Yeah. So I want to start too with, uh, you know, kind of why does it matter? Um, do you know who Blaise Pascal is? I do. He made a famous wager. Yeah. Yeah. So that's exactly what I want to talk about. So, you know, his wager is uh, basically that either God exists or he doesn't. And um, he says that, um, so we live in a theistic or an atheistic world. And he's a mathematician, just so if people don't know, he's a mathematician. He invented the barometer. Um, you know, super smart guy. I think he died at 40. Um, and he didn't become a Christian until he was 31. Um, so he, he said, does God exist or he doesn't? He said, based on the testimony of both general revelation, which is like nature, you know, walking around and seeing trees and, um, special revelation, which he was the, he was thinking it was the Bible, um, that, that, 
there is at least a 50% chance, a 50-50, right, that God either exists or he doesn't. And then uh, he says, since therefore we stand to gain eternity and therefore infinity by um, uh, believing that there was a God, then it makes sense as though we live the the right way and to be, and to live as as though God does exist because um, if we if we live the way that that we should uh, or if we live the way that we believe God exists we stand to gain everything and we lose nothing if we're wrong and if we're wrong then we lose nothing and we gain nothing so he said just mathematically it makes sense to live as though there is a God. Mm-hmm. Right? But the point is, like, there always is a chance that you could get in an accident. And what we know is that if you do get in an accident, it is overwhelmingly more safe to wear your seatbelt. So, you can play the risk if you want, but what's the worst case scenario if you put your seatbelt on? The worst case scenario is you don't get in an accident and you get home and what? Your shirt's a little bit more wrinkled, <laughs> right? Yeah. Yeah. So what is in a wager? Okay? So we 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 have to look at three things I think, and that is first the size of the prize, you know? The next is the size of the risk. And then the next is, uh, what are your chances? Yeah. Okay. So, um, you know, I, I have heard this before and I think it's, it's a pretty good, uh, thought process. Um, would you, um, flip a coin and if it landed on heads, you would get a million dollars. But if it landed on tails, you had to spend a year in jail. Would you risk, would you, would you risk that? Okay, so so what if we change? So yeah, exactly. So so what if I raised it though, and I said, what if you made ten million, or a year in jail? Yeah. So now, <laughs> I guess it's a little different, isn't it? It is. It's true. That's true. <laughs> I would I would be praying that it flips to the <laughs> That's right. So, um okay, well that's, that's some good thoughts, you know, I was thinking about today, but uh you know, how do we show the uniqueness of Jesus um in in here and um you know, I I think it's interesting to to think about that um of all the other religions um you know, 
Jesus claimed that he was God, right? It, it wasn't that um, he just claimed to be a good man. Um, I want to say um, it would it would have been different had he have claimed to just to just be um, just a good man. I think um, you look at the other religions around the world, and even most of them will corroborate that Jesus existed, right? Like Muslims are a huge group of people. And even in their religion, they acknowledge Christ's existence. Um, yeah. And, and so I don't feel that um, the argument really needs to be had that Jesus existed. Because I feel like there's, there's plenty of evidence that there was a man named Jesus who was a good man that walked the earth. I think the argument that you need to to argue, or the the one that the that you would have the the best time spent in in fighting the stance of, is that Jesus was God, in fact. And yeah, so. That's interesting. Jesus and who he was and who he said he was is 
Do you have it pulled up? Yeah, I think that is all that, that, that they would have to do to stomp Christy out in the first hundred years is just yeah. show me the body. Yeah. You know, that's right. all they would have had to do. And I think what people don't understand is um, it's really, really hard to get somebody to die for something, right? It's even harder to get someone to die for a lie. And then... To, to get, I mean, it, so, so if you, if you were to, to really like, I mean, threaten people, I mean, we're seeing, uh, we're seeing what, what's happening around our world with, with threatening to take away their livelihood, just, just threatening to take away their livelihood. And, and I'm seeing people, uh, literally I had, I had somebody who's super close to me say, you know, um, that, they, you know, they were not going to get this vaccine. They were not going to do it, not going to do it, not going to do it. And then they're like, they got it. And they're like, well, I had, I didn't want to lose my job. Okay. This is just, just, just a vaccine, right? Now you go back to, to this and, and, and you say, just, just show me the body, you know, and you had all of the disciples, right. Were, um, were killed, I think, but two, um, 
because of of like a uh, Fox's book of, book of Martyrs, I think, kind of aligns out how they all die, like spears or you know heads chopped off or whatever, like crucifying and like they're like all of these like crazy deaths. Nobody would have done that for a lie. That's right? true. You know, Jesus is on the cross, and what's Peter doing? He's saying, I don't know that dude. Yeah. He's cursing to show people he doesn't know that dude. Yeah. Right? And probably bad at it. Yeah, I definitely think uh, that is that's that's like a, a big way to prove that Jesus is uh, who he says he was. Um, another thing, while you're in Corinthians, check out Second uh, Corinthians four six. 
Um, I'll have you read that in a second. But so Paul was um, a Hebrew by birth. He was a Roman citizen, and then he was educated in the Greek. And then why don't you read that verse? So he, he really packs that in as to another reason why we know Jesus is, is God. And that is like a personal experience that we can have with him. And, you know, so I brought out the Hebrew. And, and so that is where he puts in, he's the light that shines in the darkness. And then he was a Roman citizen. What, what was Rome? What is it? It's, you know, kind of goal. Right, it's the glory of Rome. Right, they all roads lead to Rome. Like so, he was packing that in there, and then uh, the Greek is is the um, um, knowledge because they were all about you know being smarter and and philosophical, and um, so he really puts all of what his personal experience is with God of all three levels of what his um, you know being was. Like I said, he was Hebrew, Roman, and a Greek, and he said, you know, this is this is what God is to each of these. And so I think that's another way that we can know that Jesus is real is by that personal experience. And and take you to a story. So um, using your detective, you know, as an, as an example, he had to have that personal experience with Christ. And now he knows that he exists. Jesus, He knows that Jesus exists. But let's say you were on a trip and you were going to China and you got off the plane, and they put you in handcuffs, and um, they, they take you to prison, and they start questioning you, and they're like, all the corroborating evidence, you know, you've got witnesses, and, and everyone is saying that you are a drug smuggler, okay? You're just going for vacation. You're going to go scuba diving. You're going to see the Great Wall of China, okay? So at what point, with all the evidence that they that they try to throw at you and all these witnesses that come forward, do you start to believe that you actually are a drug smuggler? Never. You never, when you know you're innocent in your heart, you, it doesn't matter what comes out externally. You just, you know within your heart you're not a drug smuggler. And that's, that's the other way that we know that Jesus is who he says he is from a personal experience that we it, it can experience um, internally. Yeah, I think uh, there's a famous hymn, right? He lives, he lives, Christ Jesus lives today. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and I, I do think that, you know, if I tell somebody that's not a believer that I know Jesus lives because I have an experience with him, I don't necessarily think that that will be, um, uh, what's, the, what's the word I'm looking It's for? not going to be, that's not going to be in, uh, something where they take it as, as it's truth, but it, it's just like, how do I tell someone that I love vegetarian lasagna? How do I prove that? Right. Right. No, it, it, it may not be convincing to them. Convincing.
Yeah, yeah. I think that, I think that we definitely have to have both internal and external proofs, though. And and again, you know, you you would have that conversation with them if if you're trying to prove to somebody is, um, you know, how how would I prove that I I like Snickers? You know, I could tell you that I like Snickers, and I could say mm, this is really good. But how do you know that I'm not just saying that mm, this is? Really, you could tell by the I'm going back and eating three Snickers. That I must like Snickers, you know. Uh, but but there is something that is an internal as well that we have to be able to to say this is true because it is this and the evidence of my life. I, I don't live the same way I've got. Like you said, I'm a new creature. Um, and I think I think just uh, one of the biggest points that we go to is the fact that this man claims that he's God and 2,000 years later, if he was just some boy out of some little town, he would have been nothing um, if he wasn't God. Because there's too many other, you know, uh, the uh, David Koresh's, right? There's been David Koresh's throughout the ages, and they have a following, small following, and then now we just read about them in a, in a book. You know, it, they don't really have the yeah. following like Jesus does. And, and to write in his book, The Resurrection of the Son of God, he points out that, you know, around the time of Jesus, there were more than a dozen other men that claimed to be the Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and then all of them died. And N.T. Wright says this. He said, if you, were, if you were a Jewish person in the first century A.D. that was following a Messiah, someone that you thought was the Messiah, and he died, you did one of two things. You either went back to work or you found another Messiah. Yeah. Right? Those are the only two options. Yeah. Historians have been researching and have been looking at the facts to 
interestingly enough, 90% of all historians agree with four of the facts. Huh. So four facts about the resurrection are agreed upon by more than 90% of historians. Okay. Um, not, not all Christian, many often atheists, right? I'm going to give you the four facts, and then what we're going to do is we're going to say, okay, what's the best explanation of these facts? Okay? Sure. Fact number one, all historians agree that Jesus was buried in the tomb of Joseph of Arimathea. Why is this important? Because we know he wasn't just accidentally buried somewhere else. Right? We know where his body was placed. All historians almost unanimously agree on Okay? Fact number two. This same tomb, the tomb of Joseph of Arimathea, was found empty after his death by a group of his female followers. Right? Every part of this fact is important. Number one, the fact that he was found by females is important because this passes what we call the criteria of embarrassment when it comes to history. And the criteria of embarrassment is this. Um, there are some facts that are so embarrassing that you wouldn't add them if they weren't true. Right? If I'm telling you a story about something I did in six, when I was 16, and I'm like, yeah, and I laughed so hard that I soiled myself and wet my pants. Right? I probably wouldn't make that up. Right? The only reason I would give that piece of information is if it actually happened. Right? Well, in this time, the testimony of females was not seen as important. In fact, females, the female testimonies were so devalued that you had to have two female witnesses hmm. to count as much as one male witness. So if I was making up this story and I wanted to say that Jesus' tomb was found empty, I would definitely say that it was found empty by like the leaders, right? Peter, James, and John. But no, actually, Peter, James, and John were sniveling little cowards that were hiding in their in their room, right? While the women, one of whom, which was a, a former prostitute that nobody in town likes, they're the ones that find the tomb empty, right? Why is this important? Number one, it passes the criteria of embarrassment. This is why almost all religious scholars believe this happened. And number two, we know Jesus was put there, and now he's not there, right? That's, that's a big deal. Number three, fact number three that almost everyone agrees on. He appeared to multiple individuals on independent occasions, right? Um, you know, he appeared to the, the disciples, and then the disciples again with Thomas, and then two people on the road to Emmaus, and then 500 people at once, right? And last of all to Paul, you know, on the road to Damascus, right? He appeared on multiple occasions to multiple individuals, right? This isn't something that's like, like where you're like, yeah, I saw Elvis yesterday at a, a hotel lobby in Cleveland, right? Like, well, who was with you? Oh, it was just me. Like, okay, this didn't happen, right? Um, all right, and then number, back number four, which we actually already talked about, his disciples genuinely believed that he rose and took this conviction to their deaths. Nobody disagrees that the disciples took this conviction, took this conviction to their deaths, all right? So we have these four facts. And what I like to do is say, okay, um, what is the best explanation of these facts, right? Yeah. Because, and what we have to do is we have to develop a story that accounts for all of these facts together, right? Um, so let's look at some of the famous story 
child, you think it's like this awesome action movie, but then as you get older, you realize it's a spoof of action movies, and it's amazing, and it just has, like, based on the soldier meaning to you. All right, the Princess Bride series is very, <laughs> um, there's this famous scene in the Princess Bride where um, Miracle Max tells these people, like, Wesley's not actually dead. He's only mostly dead, right? And that's the Princess Bride theory. This theory says, well, Jesus didn't actually die on the cross. He came real close, right? He, is, he passed out while he was on the cross. He thought he was dead. We don't have our medical science. He thought he was dead. They wrapped him up and put him in the tomb, right? Okay, well, let's think about the Princess Bride theory. Does this work? Let's pretend. Let's pretend that I agree with you. Jesus didn't actually die. And they took him off the cross. And they wrapped him up in grave clothes. And they put him in a tomb. Alright? And also, three days later, Jesus wakes up incredibly dehydrated. Almost no blood left in his body. He unwraps himself from these grave clothes. And he pushes back this multiple ton stone. And then he fights off the guards that are standing outside. And then he trudges, still bleeding, still sweating, incredibly tired, several miles back into town where he knocks on the door to talk to the disciples. And they open the door and they're like, Jesus, it's you! Right? What do they do? Give him a drink. Oh, yeah, I love that movie, but you can tell that 
tell pretty quickly that they haven't seen the movie. <laughs> and they're like, oh, yeah, don't you love in the movie where the guy dyes his hair rainbow colors and um, jumps up and down on a magical unicorn? And the person's like, yeah, that was amazing. You're like, it didn't happen. I know you didn't see it. <laughs> if, we have an unidentical, if, if we have an identical unknown twin brother coming to town, don't you think that would have happened? Peter's talking to Jesus. And like, hey, remember that one time where I was acting crazy and I cut off that guy's ear and then, you know, you told me to stop and you put it back on? Like, yeah, I totally, I totally remember that. That was me. Like, that, that thing, you know, falls yeah. very quickly. Um, so actually, I've looked at all of the evidence and all of the theories, and I actually think there's only two hypotheses which account for all four theories. Okay. okay yeah. Okay. I think if Jesus was an alien, you can argue that he's all that all four of those facts could have led to the fact that Jesus was an alien. Or hypothesis number two, which I actually believe God raised Jesus from the dead. Right? Five minutes, you go through four facts about the resurrection that these are not just like facts that like conservative theologians that you and I would like to enjoy reading agree on. These are facts that, you know, strongly anti Christian uh, strongly anti-Christian people agree. Um, and they have tried to offer up different hypotheses to uh, explain all of these facts, and they, they completely do not hold Curious, uh, just in your statement, uh, you said uh, God raised Jesus from the dead. Um, do you believe Jesus raised himself from the dead? Yes. I, I we can, uh, yes. Do you think that when you say that you don't want to define them, do you, are you saying that you do you believe that there's, that there's three people or like three three entities, a father, a son, and a Holy Spirit? I say something what? No, at any time any of us start um any any time any of us start talking about the Trinity, it is very easy to accidentally say something heretical that we don't want to say. Because okay. we start like thinking of like metaphors that actually don't work. Okay. Like, here's a metaphor, uh, uh, water is ice and steam and, and water. Oh, that's actually modalism and that's a heresy that sometimes, you know, sometimes decided to be a heresy. Egg. Okay, well, I'll share what I believe then, because I'm not afraid to, I mean, maybe, again, this goes to you being smarter than me and knowing what to say and what not to say. My belief is that God is a title, a position, like the president, but there are three individuals that occupy that space, 
and never at any time are those individuals in a different mindset. Meaning, if I was to be able to talk to um, Jesus and I say, you know, I ask a question, I could ask the same if I was able to ask the question to the Father, and I would get the same answer if I asked the Spirit. And we get the exact same answer in the exact same tone in the exact same way. But God is, is, a, is a title, a position, not a name. And I believe that um, they are individual people. I believe there's, there's plenty of um, evidence um, that, they're, that they are individuals. They are never apart. We see God saying, not my will, but your will. So there's at least two wills. We see the the story of Jesus being baptized. There, there are the three mentioned in just that. God the Father says, "This is my beloved Son, in whom, I'm, in whom I am well pleased." And the Holy Spirit descends like a dove upon Jesus. So that gives that one story shows that there's three. And then going back to Genesis, it says, "Let's make man in our image." In the uh, sense of there's there's more than just me talking to myself. And and God Jesus is not just God um, embodied. And it's not like the father embodied himself in, f- in a flesh uh, scale. And, the, you know, that that's not how that works. Um, so that's my understanding of, of the Trinity is that there is, you know, because the shell of an egg doesn't make an egg. The, the yolk doesn't make an egg. All three, it doesn't take all three to make the title. Each one is fully God, is fully uh, capable of, you know, running running the show if you will but they all three are separate Dog. 
Well, just because you've mentioned it four times, what is modalism? So, modalism is where uh, God changes form. Oh, okay. Oh yeah, I, I mean, just from the scriptures that we we were just talking about, I don't even know how that can be an option. Like, who was Jesus praying to? Who was he saying we should make man in our image? Um, I mean, that, that all of that, and like I said, just the one of the baptism has all three images at one time, different, like in different places. So I don't understand how that could even be a, a realistic thing, but nor would I believe that Jesus had a twin that happened to show up, you know, three years after he was on the cross. Like, that, that theory is crazy to me, too, so... Um, anyway, well, hey, brother, thank you for your uh, for your time today. I think I think we had uh, a pretty good episode, and uh, hopefully, the uh, viewership uh, enjoys it and you know gets gets some good information. Sounds good. Thanks, man.